Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. There are certain things in this world that are constant, unchanging, with no regards to the passage of time. No matter the era, there is war, there is money, there is greed. Each generation has its share of hatred and unjust death. There will always be crime and tragedy. These constants are things that are known and, to some extent, understood. But there is something else that I know to be true. Something perfectly cemented in time and space that the world seems to have overlooked. Mrs Baker owns the house at the end of Willow Street. I know this must seem a little strange to you, so please bear with me while I'll explain. You see, Mrs Baker wasn't just any old woman in my neighbourhood. In fact, many of us didn't think of her as a woman at all. She was more of a landmark, someone who had been there even before our parents, and she would continue to exist long after us kids had moved on to the bigger cities. For as long as she'd been alive, she had owned a shabby little shack with peeling paint and squeaky shutters at the tail end of Willow Street. For most of us still alive in the neighbourhood, she had existed for all of eternity. She wasn't born and she wouldn't die. She just... was... Of course, logic tells us that even Mrs Baker came from somewhere. I was told that she immigrated to our little town from France. Her first name was Camille. Although no one could even pronounce it right. Her husband, an American whose first name had been long forgotten. He brought her over after a whirlwind romance in Paris. He had died young, leaving her alone and childless all by herself in that house on Willow Street. By all accounts, Mrs Baker was unremarkable. She was kind and friendly in as much as she would nod and smile when we would pass her with our parents in the street. She liked to sit on her front porch, surveying the unkept grass as she embroidered yellowing hand towels. She had a cat that very well may have been as old as her herself. He had grey fur and all the neighbourhood kids called him Fluffy as we were pretty unoriginal children. The only thing that set Mrs Baker apart from the other residents was her apparent immunity from life and death. In all the time I lived there, I never saw her age. I never saw her change. 
But that's not why I remember Mrs Bacon now. Mrs Baker didn't talk to the kids in the neighbourhood very much. I always had the feeling that she didn't like children. I'd spoke to her a few times because my mum dragged me to her house. My mother had this fascination with embroidery and spent a few afternoons sitting with Mrs Baker in her musty old living room, taking lessons from that old crone. I didn't mind Mrs Baker really. She gave me chocolate chip cookies and let me play with Fluffy. But since she never really talked to me, I just assumed that she didn't like me very much. That assumption was changed one foggy morning in early April. Detective Julissa Trapp has always wanted to be a cop. And she is, but she's not like other cops. Not only is she the only woman on an all-male homicide squad, but she does her job in ways that may be seen as unconventional. When three women disappear from Santa Ana, California, without a trace, it takes a detective like Detective Julissa to seek justice for them. In a brand new podcast from Wondery and the Los Angeles Times, Detective Trapp takes you into the life of this police officer and how she conducts herself relentlessly. It's hosted by an award-winning journalist, Chris Jofford. Detective Trapp is the story of Detective Julissa and how she fights through her own struggles and society's indifferences to bring a serial killer to justice. I've listened to the first episode and I'm hooked already. So while listening to Detective Trap, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to great podcasts. I'll also post a link in the show notes so you can listen along with me. School was out for Easter break, so I naturally risen before the crack of dawn to get the most out of my few free days. I'd driven my mother insane in a matter of minutes and she sent me outside to play before she was forced to slaughter me where I stood. Her words, not mine. I was playing on my scooter when I saw Mrs Baker standing outside her house, watching me. Now, of course, she lived all the way at the end of the street, a good four houses away from me so I really couldn't tell if she was looking at me or not. Except I could feel her eyes on me. Like she was trying to call out to me with something other than her voice. And she succeeded because I was so intrigued that I found myself leaving my scooter on the damp grass and taking a tentative step down the street. As if sensing my confusion, Mrs Baker lifted her arm and crooked a slender finger at me, beckoning me to come closer. I was either too young or too stupid to be cautious. Besides, I'd known her my whole life, as had my mother and probably her mother before her. I didn't think anything of it as I trotted down the street. If anything, I was thinking about those chocolate chip cookies she made all the time.
I stopped a few feet from Mrs Baker and chirped out some kind of greeting. She gave me a stiff sort of smile and bent down so she was near eye level with me. I remember thinking that I'd never seen an old person do that. It must have hurt her back bending down like that. I suddenly felt very important. Allie, you're a good girl, aren't you? She asked the question fully expecting me to answer. There was nothing patronising or teasing in her tone. I nodded as though this was the most important moment in my whole young life. Well, I guess in a way, it probably was. She mirrored my nod, an aura of satisfaction radiating off her as she asked her next question. Would you like to see something special? My ears perked up at that. A secret? I loved secrets. I was going to be a spy when I grew up. So I understood that secrets were very, very important. I nodded at her and she extended her hand to me. I took it without hesitation and she led me inside her house. We bypassed her living room completely, much to my dismay, as I'd rather hoped that her secret involved cookies. She took me through the dining room, then the kitchen, all the way in the back of the house where she opened the door to a set of stairs leading down into the darkness. She turned on the light, but her basement was still quite dim, so she held my hand in her firm grip as we descended together. I gradually became aware that there were soft noises coming from the basement. Sniffles and strange choking and squealing noises. It sounded as though she had animals that were trying very hard to keep quiet. I wondered if Fluffy had got trapped down there. Maybe Mrs Baker wanted me to save him. I didn't see Fluffy when we got to the basement. What I did see was a row of cages, lining the wall in a mess of rusty iron. It was hard to see, but there were animals crouched in them, sniffling and pawing at the dirty floor beneath them. What is this? I asked, a little uncertain what to make of what I saw. She told me it was a zoo. My eyes lit up at this. I loved the zoo. My mother used to take me and my little brother if we were very good. I realised why this had to be a secret now. Having a zoo in your basement was a genius idea. Although she wouldn't be able to keep very big animals. I was a little disappointed at that because giraffes were my favourite. Still... I was very excited to see her zoo. She must have been able to sense my anticipation because she let go of my hand and gestured forward, telling me to go on and have a look. I didn't need a second invitation. I practically skipped forward, starting with the cage closest to me. Because the light was so dim, I had to bend down and press my face against the bars to make out what was inside. 
my little heart froze in my chest when I saw what was inside that cage. It was a little girl, a few years younger than me. She couldn't have been more than five. She was crouched down, her hands were trembling, and I could see that something was dripping from her fingers. I thought about trying to speak to her, but then I saw her lips. They had been sewn shut. I gasped and stumbled backwards, right into Mrs Baker's arms. All too late, I began to feel that something was very, very wrong. I looked back at Mrs Baker, white-faced and shaking. I couldn't make out her face in the dark basement, and for that, I was almost glad. What is she doing in there? I demanded, trying to sound like I wasn't scared, but obviously I failed miserably. Mrs Baker told me that the little girl had been bad, very bad, and that this was a zoo for bad people. She encouraged me to keep looking. I walked on unsteady legs and looked into the next cage. This one was a little boy. He was moaning, obviously trying to keep quiet. He was pressing his hands to his chest, except that I realised he didn't have any hands. He had dark, oozing stumps where his hands should have been. I looked back at Mrs Baker, suddenly wanting very much to go home. She sensed my intentions and shook her head. I couldn't leave until I looked in every cage. There were about 12 cages in all. I think, although I can't say for certain, my memory gets a little fuzzy at this point. I know I saw many children, scared and sick and frightened, but they all kind of begin to blend together in my mind. Rather than seeing a whole person, I see bits and pieces. I see missing fingers, eyes sewn shut, teeth wrenched out. Everything is a mass of mutilation. I don't even really remember making it to the last cage, nor do I remember walking up the stairs. The next image in my mind is of Mrs Baker's living room, sitting in her overstuffed armchair, and drinking a cup of tea, eating some cookies, just out of the oven. She asked me if I knew why she had a zoo for bad people. Her voice is still so clear to me, even after all these years. I remember shaking my head, feeling numb and confused inside. She told me that bad people didn't deserve to live in this world that they needed to be locked up for everyone's sake. I nodded. I didn't know what else to do. She seemed satisfied by this, and once I finished my cookies, she patted me on the head and led me to the front door. I had just stepped out of that suffocating house. The skies cleared of fog and the sun began to warm the tips of the grass. 
I felt her bony hand squeezing into my shoulder once again. My heart skipped a beat. I turned back to look at her. In all my life, no matter how many times I am reincarnated, I'm sure I will never forget the look of pure menace on her face as she said, Good girls don't tell secrets. You're still a good girl, aren't you, Ali? My head bobbed violently. Her grip loosened just a little and I bounded away, racing as fast as my feet could take me to the comfort of my own home. I never told anyone what I saw in Mrs Baker's home. Now that I'm older, I often ask myself, why didn't I tell my mother? Sometimes I think it's that I didn't know what to do. I didn't believe what I'd seen. I had ways of explaining the horror inside that basement. Other times I tell myself that I dreamt it all up. There was no way Mrs Baker could have or would have done something like that. These are lies. There is only one truth. I was too scared of Mrs Baker finding out that I was a bad girl. I was afraid of that zoo. All these years I have remained silent, choosing to forget that one dark moment of my childhood. I thought that would be enough. That was until my mother called me yesterday and told me that Mrs Baker had passed away. Everything seemed to freeze in time as the memory of that day rushed upon me in full force. I waited for my mother to tell me that they found the secret waiting in the basement, but she didn't. Instead, she told me that although she didn't have much money left when she died, what she did have, she left to me. My mother asked me if I knew why she would do that. I had no idea. But that didn't stop my stomach from rolling and heaving its contents all over my kitchen floor. To this day, I don't know what Mrs Baker saw in me or why she called out to me, why she told me her secret. I don't know why she gave me the money. Worst of all, I don't know what happened to those children. Where did she hide their bodies? Or if any of them survived. There is one more constant in my life now. Every night until I die, I will dream of that house at the end of Willow Street and its zoo for bad people. Only this time, I'll dream it from inside the cages. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. 